Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Neskinen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. The Flyers are free falling. You know, we thought about starting this episode with a cold open like we've done in the past when things have have gone straight into the uh, into the toilet, right into the garbage disposal. But um, something about tonight's loss to the Sabres was oddly enough so funny and so comical that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there there was just something about it situationally that made it feel like we we needed to treat the team to just a smidge. They they deserve just one little bit of effort because they showed one little bit of effort tonight. Um, welcome into Snow the Goalie. Thanks for checking in. Numbers go up every week, Anthony. I got to say, I think we're on to something here. I feel like a few years into this, we're on to something. We welcome in. Out. You know, the funny thing is, too, it always seems that... Um, Episode numbers correspond with when the team is playing negatively. Press row show. We did triple the numbers in the past week uh, overall across all platforms, across all of the accounts aggregated together when the Flyers were bad. Then when they're good, and maybe that's just what people want. You know, I always thought that people wouldn't want to listen to a podcast after a loss or when things are going negatively. But what do I know? Totally wrong. So thanks as always. Where do we live, Ross? Where do we live? We live in Philadelphia. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Is that where you're going with it? Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, people's podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, presidential podcast, Peter Light podcast. And quite frankly, the only honest forthright podcast ready to stand up for you, the fan, in what has been an absolutely disastrous month of March. Now, by the time most of you listen to this show, it will be April. It'll be April, April Fool's, Fool's Day. Day. I thought about starting the episode <laughs> with a, a lot of fake positivity. And then I realized like I couldn't even BS it because, of course, it's still March 31st. Now, what I did learn from last week in doing the secret password that we ended the um, we ended the episode with. There was at least one person who listened to the episode all two hours of it and tweeted at me, I think at like 205 or or 220 a.m. Like as soon as it hit their feed, they listened all two hours to that person. Tip of the cap. I thought you'd have something to say about that. I'm, I'm surprised. That, that, that's that's wonderful. I'm glad that we have listeners at all hours of the day. Could have that person could have been, you know, we have people overseas who listen to us. So if that's they, true. It could be first thing in the morning over there. Right. That's a really good point. So I'm just thought I'd point that the out. The way that podcast feeds refresh, actually, it would it would make a lot of sense. Maybe it's an international listener. We know we have people on every continent except for Antarctica. We need to get a scientist down there. <laughs> Spread the word to the penguins or the polar bears. I never remember which one are in the south and which ones are up north. It doesn't matter. Um, this, this was a mess, and the week has been a mess. But I, I want to speak really quickly, and I think that you would concur. I think it's time that we speak directly to the people who actually make the decisions, because we know that many of them listen to the show. We're not going to be critical of those people today. Maybe we'll save that for another day. 
But to those of you who run this organization that listen to the show, and of course, we always love when you listen to the show, we love if, if and when it affects your decision-making process, it's always great. There's something that you need to understand about the fan base here in Philadelphia that you have the chance to fix, but if you don't, you are likely going to bury any hope of this fan base coming back this season into Wells Fargo Center, where we talked about last week that there are comp tickets going out by the hundreds. Um, you run the risk of alienating a large segment of your fan base going into next season. And here's how you do that. If this organization goes through this trade deadline without making any kind of deal of any substantive value, you're going to lose fans. Now, I'm not saying that it needs to be a cornerstone acquisition. That's not what I'm saying. There needs to be a clear direction that something is going to change within this organization. And you hired a GM and you hired a coach, and I don't see a scenario in which you move on from either of those guys. Maybe you do, but if you do, you're really just putting a Band-Aid on a, on a really bad situation. The dam is getting close to bursting. Putting a Band-Aid on it doesn't behoove you in any way. But what needs to happen is this fan base needs to see that somebody is going to acknowledge that there is a serious problem here. And the way that you do that is set the stage for change this offseason, whether that means moves that clear salary cap space, whether that means you are active in bringing up some of the younger prospects from this team, even onto the taxi squad that people can get excited about because quite frankly, there's nothing right now worth being excited about with this team as it stands right now. Something has to happen because status quo is not working. Status quo has gotten this team into a free fall and the lack of any kind of true adjustment or meaningful change has led to this team pretty much falling out of the playoff hunt. They'd need to go. I think it was Alex Appleyard put on Twitter that they would need to go like 14, five and two. And they have a bunch of games coming up against the Bruins, the Caps, yeah, I, I, and the Islanders. I, I looked at it. I, you know, somebody asked me today, you know, how many wins they needed. I said, well, they need to get to like sixty-eight, between sixty-eight and seventy points. I think that's that's where you have to go. Um, that to me was fourteen or fifteen wins um, out of twenty-two. Well, you lose one tonight. Now it's out of twenty-one. So now you got to go fifteen and six, uh, which includes um, beating Boston. I think at least you got to get five out of six points against them. Right. Um, Do you remember, remember what we said last week? Well, I mean, we that's said, why I, we I, said, I, no, we said there, we said four games coming up. I said five points keeps you at least in somewhat realistic shot. I think you said seven of eight is what they needed to get. Yeah. From the well, next I, I don't, four. I mean, to me, I mean, if we're being, if you're asking me, Anthony, are, are, can the flyers make the playoffs still? I'm not sure. asking that because I, I know what the answer is. Sure. Mathematically they can, but the, the, the blunt answer is no. This team yep. is not going to the playoffs and it's, it's, it's sad. And it's a shame. Uh, expectations were much higher for this organization. Um, and it was one of the reasons I asked Justin Braun after the game, if he's ever been this perplexed about a situation. And then, yeah, you heard with the, th the stuff that he was saying, he's like, I've never been around a team that plays a two, one game one night and then gets blown out the next and then comes back and plays a good game and then gets blown out again. Like you, that doesn't happen. What, what we're witnessing right now, and I know that this team's had worse seasons. They've been, I mean, you know, just go back to 06, 07. They were the worst team in hockey. Um, they've had, so they've had worse results. 
but I, I I don't think that they've ever been expected to be as good as they've been expected to be this year and then come up as poorly as they have. And I'm talking a step further, though, like they actually had the results. Now, we knew that like some of the underlying numbers were indicative of of luck more than skill early when they when they charged out to it to to contending for the top spot in the East Division through what was it? 17 games. They had the best. They had the best uh, points percentage in the East at the end of February. Yeah. Before this month started, they had the best point percentage in the the division. And I think we recorded that that week. And I I think I wrote a story saying, you know, this team's getting ready. You know, they're poised to make their run. You know, they're they're at that point. And I think we talked about it and said, where do you see them finishing? And say, well, they could finish anywhere from one to four, but probably two. I mean, we were that we were there. We were on that train a month, which I think is what makes this hurt worse, too. Like, it's not just that you were looking at last season. It's not that you were just looking at the fake first place last year. It wasn't that you were looking at, you know, Hey, you, you want to play off round and you went to, to seven games in the second round. It wasn't any of that. It was that this team actually did put results together through the first two months of the season and the way that they've just collapsed. It, it's inexplicable, right? It doesn't matter who the player is at this point. Doesn't matter if it's Claude Giroux who goes it, out. It's the whole it, it doesn't. Team, the whole it doesn't. Team is at fault. Well, I'm saying. I'm saying when when you look at like the the post game press conferences, like Vino tonight, I think sounded different. The demeanor was different. I don't know what it is. I I don't know if it's just a guy who's run out of who's run out of answers. I don't know if it's a guy who feels like significant change needs to be made to the team. And he and Fletcher have talked about it. And Fletcher's trying to make the change, but GMs aren't willing to take on term and money, like he said last week. I don't really know what this is, but it's it's kind of like this weird quagmire they're in. It's almost like they're in hockey purgatory right now, and this season can't end soon enough. Well, if they're in purgatory, then the fan base is in hell. I mean, in all honesty, <laughs> I mean that's that's all there is to it. I mean, and, and look, you can't blame the fans for being as upset as they are. Now, some of their takes are wildly misguided, and I, you know, and I try to as best I can. Um, educate them in, in a way that say, Hey, listen, you know, you could be angry. You could be upset, but it's, you're a little off as to, as to what you're, where your anger and, and should be pointed. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't blame them. Right? I don't yeah. blame them. There was an investment in this, in this team this year. We all were invested in it. I mean, we were talking about a lot of different things that we were planning for, for May and, you know, into June and it's not happening, man. It's just not happening. Nope. You know, our season's going to end before Mother's Day, and that's it. And, and you know, we're going to have to slog through the next six weeks, five and a half weeks, whatever it is, um, and, and just kind of come up with things to talk about with this team. And there will be a few things. I mean, I you know, the, the one thing that we haven't mentioned on the show yet, but um, the Flyers signed Cam York, their number one draft pick from uh, 2019. Um, they signed him to a uh, – entry-level contract uh and the interesting thing there is it they're willing to sacrifice the first year of the elc to get him playing now um normally you know you sign that elc and it doesn't start till next season um that way they have him under control for an extra year flyers are like no our defense is so bad we need to get it and the thing of it is is that you know everybody wants everybody's going to now want to see him i guarantee you this is the thing we're going to see Oh, it happened Im- immediately. There was even the question asked uh, of Vino. Yeah. Wasn't the last question of, of his availability was yeah. Yeah. asking about York getting signed and Vino kind of downplaying it and saying that they had 
come to an agreement, but he's going to go start with the, with the Phantoms, the Phantoms. And, yep. Yep. and then see. That also wasn't a declarative statement that he won't be up this year. No, he will be. There's no there's no doubt in my mind. You don't sign him to the ELC for this season if you don't plan on playing him in the NHL this season. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Why burn that first year? He could yeah. you could you could sign him to a to a uh, amateur tryout contract and just let him play, um, you know, a, a few games for the Phantoms at the end of the season, you know, just to kind of get his feet wet and then give him the ELC to start 20, uh, 21, 22. Um, but they've got him signed now and they, they got him signed now because they want to see him now. Um, they want to see if he's a guy that that is in their top six Um for the next for next season and he's going to play this year there's no doubt in my mind that you will see cam york at some point but don't expect and this is the thing i gotta say don't expect cam york to come in here and suddenly light the world on fire and you're going to think that he's your next number one defenseman and oh he's awesome because it could it could be just it could be it could be the shane gostas bear flame out right look at how great he was his first year and then he slowly developed or declined into uh, a player who was put on waivers yesterday, right? Um, he could be Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers, who were going to be the big saviors and now are having you know, a really dreadful season. Uh, Myers more so than Sanheim, but they both look pretty bad at this point. Um, so, I mean, you know, it could be all of these guys. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's just let it, let them, let them be, let them see, let's see what he is. Let's not put the cart before the horse and say he's going to be your next number one defenseman. We don't know that. Um, there's reason to be excited, sure, but let's let's not push it too quick. And as Flyers fans tend to do, um, well, let's so- let's pull this pull this out to macro level for a second because there there is a serious question that has to be addressed. I do want to get to the gossip spare thing in a minute. Don't let me forget. Um, Nick Kiprios put out in the past week something that you and I had discussed a couple of years ago when this team was falling apart. And that was the idea that there could have been an internal fracture in the locker room. Now, Kiprios went on the record with this in the past week, specifically talking about the fact that it doesn't seem like it's an X's and O's thing. And based on conversations that he's had, it it seems like there could be a bit of a divide developing between some of the younger players and some of the vets. Now, based on what guys say about Claude Giroux, I don't think it's Claude Giroux. Based on what guys say about Sean Couturier, I don't think it's Sean Couturier. I do think that this is probably a Jake Voracek thing. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you from a from a macro view. Cam York, if it's Igor Zamula, if it's a Wade Allison, if it's a Tanner Lasinski, if this season continues down the path that it's going, is this a locker room that you want to send your prospects that you think could theoretically factor into the team in the next year or so? Like, could you theoretically be running them into a toxic situation, not just between potential player dynamic issues, but also like bringing them up when it's a losing culture, which is what it is right now. And there's no denying that like it right now, this is a losing team. Is it a, is it a gamble? And is it a gamble that the flyers should take? Yes. At this point. Yes. Because if you yes know, to what? Yes, it's a gamble. Yes, they should. Yes to both. Yes to one. No, no to they one. need to. Like, they 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 need to bring these kids up and see what they have. Um, if they're if they're ready, and, and you know, one of the one of the great lines that, um, you know, people have said in the past is, you know, when at the AHL level, a player will let you know when he's ready to move on, move up. Mm-hmm. So, assuming these guys are ready, you know, and Lachinsky and 
and and Allison and um, York and Zamula, like you like you mentioned. Um, assuming that they're ready, they'll they'll get their opportunity, and it's it's the right thing to do when you're not in the race. Now, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow because they're going to you know still wake up tomorrow only three points out of a playoff spot, knowing that the team that they're chasing they play three times next week. And that if they play them well, that they're kind of still in it, right? So I, I don't think that you know they're they're going to have the mentality to bail out now. Um, we may see it, we may recognize it as it's not going to happen, but you got to you know put yourself in their position, right? If you're if you're a competitor and you're in in that locker room or you're that in that on that coaching staff or you're that general manager. And you're only three points out of a playoff spot with twenty some games to go, twenty one games to go. Don't you don't you still make a push? Yes, you do. Now you may not make a move that will give up assets, but with the players you have, you still try to win, right? So maybe it doesn't happen tomorrow, um, but at the same time, I, it's it's going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind that these guys are going to come up, and it's the right thing to do at that point. Because you you say it could be a toxic environment, and I don't I don't think it's as bad as Kipriot. Masking. I'm not saying that it is. I'm no, asking. it could be, and I don't think it's nearly as bad as Kiprios made it out to be. I I think what ends up happening is is I think that when he, when there when he says that there's a divide in the locker room, I think what happens is is that young players get frustrated that they don't have that they have such a short leash. And that a veteran player who makes the same mistakes might have a longer leash. And we've heard, you know, um, Vigno say it in the past that they, you know, so certain such a such or such a player has more money in the bank, um, and that's what he means by that. I mean, and, and it's it's the way of the world, man. I mean, if you if you do a lot of good things for a long period of time, and then you screw up, they're, they're gonna, you know, your bosses are gonna be more lenient with you than if you haven't done anything and you screw up right then they're going to be be a little harder on you so it's just the way of the world and i think that that's kind of what it is because we see voracek i think more than any other veteran probably you know turns the puck over now he now granted he controls the puck a lot so this is why you know why why does provorov turn over the puck so much well because he's on the ice a lot and he's always carrying the puck so he's going to turn it over more (coughs) voracek excuse me same kind of thing of course, yeah. you're going to notice him doing it more than other people because he has the puck on his stick a lot. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't excuse it, right? I mean, it- yeah, I mean, like turning turning the puck over from the run of play is like one thing. Watching what happened on one of the goals tonight, where a two on two develops, there's a a late incoming forward, and Voracek is nowhere to be found. Kind of gets there towards the end of that play. That's not a good look. And it was yeah. something that came up on the telecast. And by the way, the telecast um, tonight, I think we definitely missed a, uh, a Keith Jackson or we might Maybe have missed Keith a Jones. Keith Jones or a Bill Clement um, <laughs> because half of the broadcast was excellent and half of the broadcast was not. By the way, that's it. That is uh, the 45th example of NBC Sports Philadelphia not doing a good job of preparing. Because I think they've actually put Scott Hartnell in a really bad spot. Yeah. I, I think he should have been doing games. If, if this was the plan, they should have had him doing games with like the Phantoms. They should have had him or doing 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 something else to get acclimated to needing to 
to be in that kind of position. He's not ready for that. Or what they should have had him do is like what they used to do with Chris Terrian, where you had JJ and and Keith Jones on the broadcast and Bundy used to be down between the between the benches. Right. You know, behind the glass. And they would throw. I don't know if that they would throw it to him every once in a while. So like that way, that way. Hartnell wouldn't be in a position where he had to constantly come up with something to say. He would only have, you know, he would just chime in here and there. And I think that that would give him smaller doses. He kind of learns the flow of a broadcast and where he fits in, how the timing of everything. I think that's, that would have been the way to nurture him better. Um, But throwing him to the wolves is just not fair to Scott Hartnell, A, and B, it makes the, makes the TV station look Mickey Mouse. I mean, in all honesty. Um, but can, I don't want to, can I, can I just say really quick, like, yeah, I know. I, I think part of the problem too is, um, I don't think he's far enough removed at this point. Well, yeah, I, mean, His, I know what you're saying. Like the, the, the in-studio work, he, he still has guys that he's friends with that are on this team. And I think it is, uh, it's not necessarily a conflict of interest, but I don't, I don't think that the, um, the coverage or the the analysis is done in a uh, totally neutral. Well, lens. I, I hear what you're saying. He's afraid and, to be critical. Well, that's that's part of it. Um, but that's the thing. Like you, you if you have a player who ha- who has those connections, you would think that he would be able to give you better analysis. Yeah. And and he's answering Taron Hatcher's questions like he's still in the locker room, and yep. not like an analyst, where he probably knows because he's friends with Giroux and, and Voracek and Couturier um, and JVR, he probably knows what's going on in that locker room and is not giving you anything. Yeah. Um, so that's like, that. that's a, that's a double-edged sword. I mean, you, you know, yes, you could be right. And, you know, he's afraid to be critical, but at the same time, he's also not using knowledge that he knows about what's, you know, what, ails the team to try and educate the masses you know and it's and that's why you know that's yes part of that is our job I mean that's what that's what we why we're down there that's why we talk to the talk to the people we talk to is the same concept um yep. you know I, I you know I think we kind of are probably the top of the of the top rung of the criticism ladder um compared to anyone else. And what I mean by that is I think that maybe we're, we're less afraid to criticize than anyone, than anyone else around this team. And I don't, I don't say that to pat us on the back. I just think that that's just kind of our MO. Right. Um, and sometimes, well, gets, because I think like sometimes well, gets us in trouble. Of, I think a lot of times, like it's just easy to control the narrative with, you know, certain people with certain outlets. Like I think they're, there are just some that kind of fall into play. It's not just with this team and this organization either. Like this happens across. I mean, I can, I can think of at least four or five different writers from a few different outlets in other sports who like very clearly for their respective teams that they cover are like effectively puppets are effectively just people who spew whatever somebody from the organization tells them. We don't do that. I think we, I, I think for the most part, we're fair. I do. I don't think we try to be. Yes. I don't think that we do. We don't resort resort to personal attacks, which would be a really bad look. Um, But I do think that we're critical. We're also open to the concept of like some of the people that we are critical of. We're open to the concept 
of sitting down with those people. Come on the show. Of Let's talk. Bringing them on the show of sitting down and, and doing a piece that is fair. Hell, even giving them a little bit of like the um, the. Not the critical, not the final oversight here, but like we don't we don't like aim to do hit pieces on people. No. Right. We're fair with the players, too. It's the same thing. Like th this goes both ways. Like I'm just as happy to write a, a piece like a few years ago, hyping up Dale Weiss for scoring on a breakaway. Right. Just as much as I am to like write a, a critical teardown of somebody's boneheaded play that once again costs the team a game. It's what we do. Some people don't go that route. We like to go, you know, play both sides of this because that ultimately is what we should be doing. That's what everybody should be doing. Some people choose to, some people don't. Let's get back to the team for a second. Hmm. So we, we talked about this potential toxicity. You think that it's not, I guess, a gamble to bring some of these young guys up. Shane Goss despair getting placed on waivers much to the dismay of Mike Missanelli, who thought that putting a guy on waivers means you're releasing him. <laughs> That's really great from the uh, the afternoon host of the flagship station. Really great announcement. Can I say, I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. I should stop at this point. I should stop trashing. I should not disrespect the Mike Missanelli show. You've but there's something- We've done that enough, haven't we? There's something fundamentally wrong about the coverage. Like if I were the Flyers, right? Which I'm not. Obviously, I'm not that entity. If I were the Flyers, I would do anything to get out of whatever that deal is and get back to WIP or somewhere because the coverage that they get, aside from Jason Martinez, we love Jason, but like aside from Jason Martinez, there's not like there, there is nothing of substance that happens with this team. Like, I don't actually know what they get from this relationship because when the Flyers started, what was it, 11, four, and one to start the year? Nothing. The Flyers went on that. I don't know this month of March. They're down to what is this five, 10 and five, 10 and one, five, 10, right? Something like that. Well, yeah. I think it's four, 10 and two. Is it four, 10 and two? Sure. Something like that. It's yeah. still bad. Still bad. Nothing. Then the Flyers won two games. And then the Mike Missanelli show goes, what's wrong with this Flyers team after they won two consecutive games? They're not getting anything from that relationship. Like I genuinely don't know what the play is here. It's not great. It's not great. But no, Shane Gossespierre gets placed on waivers. So no, Mike, he was not released. He's still with the organization. Uh, Anthony, the, the whole point of putting a guy on waivers, which I think you can speak to, the positive is that they could theoretically shuttle him back and forth to the taxi squad and back to the team. He doesn't have to clear waivers again. In theory, you could get some form of cap relief if you so choose. If he had been claimed off of waivers, you would have gotten some cap relief. Does this set up a deal for Chuck Fletcher to make in this next week? Or was this also partially a message? Yeah, a few people ask this. When we re recorded that episode with Dale Weiss a couple of years ago, he was critical. He was critical of like players not speaking out. He was critical of the fact that some guys spend too much time on their phones, on social media, letting that kind of stuff get to them. And less than 12 hours later, he was put on wafers. Shane Goss despaired this past week was open and honest about what's happening, said that the team had lost its identity, said a few other profanity statements about it not being fair to the goalies that they're playing so poorly in front of them. And now he's the guy. He's not the worst defenseman on this team, yet he's the guy who's placed on waivers. Was it purely a money thing? 
Was it purely a he spoke out thing? Could it potentially be a combination of both? It had nothing to do with him speaking out. Okay. I'll, I'll, I want to nip that one in the bud. A couple people asked me that today, and I saw a few other people talking about it, including people who, you know, uh, are vocal uh, about the team and have a, a decent following. And I will say that there's nothing to that whatsoever. Um, you know as well as I do that they tried to trade Shane Goss's bear for two years. Couldn't get a buyer. Couldn't get a taker. Turns well, out there was that there was that one Western Conference team, but uh, wasn't yeah. it Hextall who uh, didn't like the value? Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, turns out that trying to move a guy with that's you know a bottom pair defenseman who's really only a power play specialist when you really break it down um, at four and a half million dollars for three more seat this season and two more seasons um, is not after a you had scratched him for three consecutive games right is not a palatable thing for teams to take on so they couldn't trade him um, mm-hmm. in order to you're only allowed to have a certain number of players between your NHL roster and the taxi squad and even then the taxi squad have to be players that are waiver exempt or have who have cleared waivers so the Flyers were kind of limited as to who they can move around there um, up and down and so forth and so on and almost any other person would have been claimed Um, any other defenseman that you would have put up there Obviously, you know, obviously you're not putting Provorov and you're not putting Sanheim and you're not putting Myers, despite as, as poorly as he's played. If you put Justin Braun there, he gets claimed. If you put Eric Gustafson there, he gets claimed. And so the argument, well, then people say, well, why wouldn't you do, do you that? You think Gustafson gets claimed at this yes. point? He's a, UFA. He's, played? he's a UFA and he's one point right. five million for the year and you're only paying a prorated salary. Yes. Yes. He's a depth defenseman for for a playoff team. No question. Um so those guys would get claimed and you say, well, well, what's the big deal? I'd rather lose a Braun or lose a, a, a Gustafson than lose Gossespierre. And the reality is that the Flyers, first of all, you, the benefit of, of losing a Gustafson or a Braun is a lot smaller because it doesn't you don't get the benefit of clearing four and a half million dollars off of your cap. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is, is that they didn't necessarily want to lose Goss to spare here um, at this juncture. If they did, they would have looked at it and said, well, team takes him. Okay. We didn't want to lose him, but in return, we get four and a half million dollars of cap space for the next two years when the cap is flat. That's something that we didn't anticipate prior to last season. Right? So there is a benefit. There would have been a benefit if a team took him, but they didn't necessarily want to lose him. They just wanted to be able to maneuver guys around a little bit better. They signing Cam York today probably doesn't happen unless Shane Gosses Bear clears waivers because now it's another opportunity for, for a guy like him to get called up. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all about people, people, a lot of times you look at the, um, you, when you look at the salary cap, everybody, everything's kind of just looked at in the, in the, the total for the year, the season. But the yeah. reality is the, the NHL salary cap is a daily cap. It's managed on a day-by-day basis. That's why there are so many paper transactions. This guy gets sent down, and then he gets recalled, and he gets sent down, and gets recalled. And it's because 
the the accountants on the team, the, the the bean counters are sitting there saying we can save X thousands of dollars by sending the guy down to the taxi squad for a day and then calling him back up on game day. And then we just pay him his game day. Um, so, I mean, they pay him, they, they pay them no matter what, unless it's a two way contract. If it's a one way deal, they're getting paid no matter what, but it only counts against the cap when they're on the NHL roster. So, you know, there's a lot of juggling that takes place. Um, and that was the, the real primary reason that they did this. Um, but it also is a signal in two ways. You, you pointed this, this is where you were right. Um, it's a signal to the team that we're unhappy with your, the way you're playing and we're going to take a quote unquote veteran player, quote unquote player that's part of the core. I, I know when people talk about the core, they're usually referring to Giroux Voracek, you know, uh, well, usually those two, mostly, mostly, but I mean, Couturier is part of it, and I guess JVR and, and whatever. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, Gossip Bear has been in the organization for eight years, um, nine, I'm sorry, nine years. Um, and that, you know, he is considered part of that core, or maybe at least on the outside of it. So they'll take a player who's part of the core, wave him, say, we're not afraid to do that. So that's a message to the players. But it's also a signal to the other GMs that it's time to talk to the Flyers. And well, we don't know if Chuck's going to be a buyer or seller or both. If he's buying for next season, um, then maybe he's he's doing both at the deadline. Uh, but I think that that you know this is a signal to those other general managers that the Flyers are starting to make the moves that they need to make. Um, but they knew they knew he wasn't being claimed. There were other defensemen who are maybe even slightly better, or at least at least as good as Gosses Bear, with very similar contracts who've been waived in recent weeks who ha- have gone on claim. I can think of Danny DeKaiser in Detroit mm-hmm. and Anton Strawman. Um, these guys, you know, similar situations. They went through the waivers and were unclaimed. So that's why the Flyers knew uh, or were confident that gossip bear wasn't going to be claimed and it just allows them to do things a little bit you know a little bit differently that was the reason it happened it's it's not all that exciting russ but now there are are multiple elements it it captured it it captured some headlines we saw some people putting out that they thought a trade was imminent a mega trade could be imminent okay nothing happened yet doesn't mean that nothing will happen it's just an interesting note um I wanted to get your thoughts on the decision tonight to officially not just set them in the third period, but to officially sit Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick. Um, it, it's about time on Nolan Patrick in my mind, Oscar. I, I kind of get the sense, you know, we've, we've discussed this. I mean, doing what he's doing is, superhuman in a lot in a lot of ways um and never mind the fact that he's trying to be a, a a good hockey player just the fact that he's a hockey player um at the highest level in the world after going through what he went through with his cancer treatments and having two ribs removed um i mean this is this is some serious stuff that most people wouldn't recover from at the, to this, to this degree. And he is finding a way to do it. That said, 
when he had as short of an off season as he did, as short of a no exhibition season, and now all of a sudden you're asking the guy to play every other day in the month of March, that's a lot. I mean, that's just that's just a lot. And you can see the difference. Like he's a guy when you watch him play, you can see him trying and just not getting there. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. his play might not be where it needs to be, but damn, he's trying. And you could tell that he's trying. He's just not there. So I the think the mental game is there. The body, the body hasn't quite caught up. Right. I and don't I, want this. And I think, I think it'll get there. I think, you know, you give him another off season and kind of, you know, let him build up a little bit more strength and really you know, get some time off and, and then get back into a normal schedule for 21, 22. I think Oscar Limblom will be fine. Patrick on the so, other. So hold on, hold okay. on. I, now I don't want this to to sound insensitive in any way. So I want everybody to who's listening to just take a second. Given the fact that there was no preseason, and given the fact that it was such a short off season, and given the fact that the team had such high expectations, was it the right decision to? to rely on him as much as it seemed like the team was going to rely on him going into the season. Like this, this to me kind of comes back to like the misevaluation of this team and, and all of those, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, like to me, I was happy for Oscar Lindblom that he was able to be with the team. I was happy for him that he was able to finally get a a reception from actual in-person, you know, arena crowds not only in Philadelphia, but in other cities as well. Like to me with the way that the taxi squad was set up for this year. And maybe it would have just been a waiver issue. Like maybe he, it, it couldn't have worked, but I, I do wish that we had seen a scenario where Oscar Lindblom wasn't relied on as heavily well, because I think it was an, I think it was like an unfair situation in that. Like, I don't think there was a path for him to be successful and and that to me, like when when you think about like what the expectations were for this team, I wouldn't say that he was like actively a negative on the ice, but like we're we're doing a whole lot of like gymnastics around this. If if we took out that really major caveat of of what he's been going through and said like this is the production you're getting from this player, I think people would like be going after him. I'm not saying that that should happen. I'm just saying that like I I don't. I, I think there's like a little bit of a struggle there. Like there, it's not cognitive dissonance, but like from what what you wanted and, and, and what you set this guy up to be able to do, like, I don't think it was totally cohesive. If that no, but I said, you also got to remember, Russ, that the Flyers were twice impacted schedule wise by COVID, which yes. if you look back at the original schedule that was for the season, while it was it was a heavy schedule. I mean, you're, you're, you know, squeezing 56 games in between January and the beginning of May. So it's, it's still a lot, but March was not 17 games in 30 days. Like it ended up being, I'm sorry, 16 games in 30 days uh, that it ended up being, Um, you know, they lost a couple games with the devils um, when the devils had their, their COVID outbreak. Um, uh, I think a Rangers game was rescheduled in there twice Um, I think an Islanders game was rescheduled in there. So they, so they had like four games that were moved because of the devils that had nothing to do with them. And then of course the flyers had their own outbreak, which cost them a couple of games. And then they had to move. I think they moved five games around to try and reaccommodate that. And so it ended up with all of these games being played. They literally tomorrow, tomorrow, April 1st and, and Friday, April 2nd 
are the first time that they've had back-to-back days off in over a month. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot. And so it, it's hard to sit here and say that, well, they should have they should have known that uh, Oscar might not have been able to handle this rigorous of a schedule when this wasn't the schedule initially and that this this schedule became that much more rigorous and that much harder for him after COVID kind of, you know, wreaked havoc with the flyer schedule this year. So, um, so yeah, I, so I'm viewing this as so, like, so two I, give somewhat, them, I, I give them I'm, a pass like on they're, Oscar they're, this they're year. Two somewhat independent issues though. Like I'm okay. saying that like overall production preseason is a question that the ability to adapt or, or lack thereof as the schedule broke the way that it did to not have him sit. Like as you're seeing the schedule get adjusted and you're seeing how many games are going to be played. Like, I think that's kind of an independent issue. Like maybe that's where my bigger problem falls in place. Like why, why not give him a night off here or there in this schedule? If, if you know that he physically isn't able to, to, to give you what in theory he would want to give you. Well, I mean, I, I, that might've been part of the plan for all we know. I mean, everything got knocked. I mean, and then remember, he was one of the guys who had COVID. Yeah. So like, we don't know how that affected him physically as well either. Like we, no one's really had an opportunity to sit there and say, Hey, Oscar, how did that affect you? I mean, we haven't had that chance to really talk to him about his COVID situation. Um, So, I mean, there was no doubt that after he had a rest day, the first healthy scratch that he was, that he had, that he came back and played better hockey the next several games. I mean, it, it helped. It certainly helped him. And so maybe after this one tonight, he comes back. You know, he's now had three days off in a row or four days off. I don't know if he skated yesterday. I think he practiced. But, I mean, even still, it wasn't a hard practice. Um, so you have a few days off in a row, and he, maybe he comes back Saturday, and he's really good again. So, like, I, like I, I look at it and say I'm not going to kill the Flyers for relying on him or expecting him to be um, – more than he is than he's been I think that they were kind of a victim with his situation that they needed everything to be to to kind of stay status quo schedule wise in order for him to have a chance to really have a successful season and then when it all went to hell it kind of blew that up for him and there was really not much you could do at that point uh, considering what he's been through Nolan Patrick on the other hand they gave him as much uh, leeway as possible. They say, okay, look, Nolan, we know you haven't played hockey for two years. We're going to let you come back and we're going to give you all these games where, you know, we're going to give you 35 games, you know, to kind of get your stuff together. And while he had a few games in there that were okay, um, he never really had that breakout stretch of continually solid production. And it got to a point where it's like he's he's got to come out. We're at that point now where he's got to come out. And I know people say, well, man, you take Gostas Bear, Lindblom, and Patrick out of the lineup, and you replace them with Gustafson, Bunneman, and Twarinski, you obviously have less talent that's going to be in the lineup. You know, so this is this is a mistake by the coaching staff, and you know, the coach should be you know, should take the blame for this, but it doesn't, the way that those guys have been playing, it doesn't make a difference. 
Like that, it doesn't matter. It's a ceiling. It's a ceiling thing. It's a ceiling versus floor because the 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 bottom ends of the world don't have the pure physical gifts that like a Nolan Patrick theoretically has has shown in the past. Right. But the floor is much higher for those guys because the because they can at least play at like an NHL fourth line level. Right. And play within those roles in a positive way. Correct. Or at least, you know, a baseline way, which isn't what you were always getting. It's weird because like the, the Patrick thing to me has just been weird this year. Right. Like they tried. They tried to like cover up his potential issues early. Right. Like they sheltered him. They sheltered him with two vets. Things kind of went sideways. Then they had to juggle the lines and it felt like they were once again kind of like trying to cover up some of his issues, not playing within the role that they needed him to. And now at this point, it just kind of feels like the team has stopped covering up any issues that he's got on the ice. They they can't. They simply cannot afford to to play the charade anymore. And like, I know that there are a lot of people who wanted to believe in him. I, I watched him in camp and thought he looked good in camp with JVR and, and Jake Borachek. I will stand by the fact that I think if that line had been able to stay together for vast, you know, majority of the season that we would have seen his assist numbers up. I don't think you would have seen a ton of goals out of him, but I do think that like that line could have been good in their offensive zone. They were really good at, at maintaining possession of the puck. They were a little bit iffy in the 200 foot game, but like at least in, in the offensive zone, they were a solid line. The wheels have just kind of fallen off. And at this point, like this is where I have the issue. So Travis Konechny meets with the media after this game. He's asked about whether or not the benching of uh, Lindblom and Patrick upset the locker room. And he said they don't pay attention to that stuff. I don't believe that at all. Because you like to me, there are sometimes when you say two things can be true. When you think of like the positivity of Oscar coming back, that ignites the locker room in the most positive of ways. This team was thrilled to have Nolan Patrick back at the start of the season. So if you have those high of highs, you can't then, in my mind, say that like these guys are pulled out of the lineup and you say this doesn't bother us. It doesn't affect us because you would think that like even on the human level of being friends with these guys, you're going to be disappointed for them. Like that to me is the answer. I'm disappointed on a personal level, but I understand that the coaches are going to make changes. I don't buy this like adage that like uh, we don't know who's in the lineup. Like that to me is not true. Like I, I actually kind of wish that some guys would just be like a little bit more honest about that other side of things than just kind of say like it doesn't affect. I don't believe that at all. I don't know if you do. Um, I think that I think that they definitely pay attention to it. I think any any roster decision on a game to game basis impacts the locker room a little bit. I mean, it always does. I mean, if you if you're sitting somebody who's a regular, the team's going to take notice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're like when Joel Farabee gets benched in the third period and Joel Farabee's had a, has had a solid season for this team, you're going to notice it. Yeah. So the team's going to take notice. So I think TK is being a little disingenuous there, but at the same time, I, I get what he's saying. Like the shock was already there from the other night. They benched them. They didn't even yeah. give him a shift. Not one. They just sat in the middle of the bench for the entire third period in overtime. That message was already sent. So to sit there and say the next game, 
oh, or does it send ripples through the locker room that those guys were healthy scratches? Well, no, because they've already seen that the the initial decision with these guys, right? They're from the other yeah. night. So that that the, what happened the other night was this that was a that was the spark, and that they played better in the third period, came back and won the game. Um, so yeah, that I don't think it has it, this in, in this instance had it had a major ripple effect. Now, if come Saturday you want to you're gonna like healthy scratch JVR or healthy scratch. TK, that'll that'll affect the locker room. There's no doubt it will, um, and, and there's no doubt that they'll take notice and they'll talk about it. I mean, they may not talk about it publicly, but they'll talk about it amongst themselves um, and sure. what it means, you know. So I think so. You know, I think each instance it depends on what the what the situation is, a with the team and b with the player and who the player is. Um, because like you could you could bench a guy in the middle of a winning streak, and the, does the team really take notice at that point? I, I don't know. I, I don't think that they make a big deal. Depends out. on depends on how much money that guy has. In well, the I'm just saying. Like, I mean, it could. I mean, you could you could end up benching, you know, a, a, a big money player, and and then the team wins like seven in a row. Is everybody upset that the big money player is out of the lineup when they're winning seven in a row? Probably not. Um, so you know, a lot of a lot of factors come into play. But I, I do think that you know you're you're not wrong. I mean, they they it could have a it could have an impact uh, depending on the situation. I just don't think that this specific one tonight. Um, I don't think the team came out like uh, shell shocked because yeah because yeah the, I didn't mean to imply that just yeah, yeah just more that like yeah yeah all right. So here's the concern. This this I think is is one that fans have brought up enough times. I don't necessarily buy into it, but it is worth bringing up. We're talking about potential issues between different groups in the locker room. We're talking about guys that are popular within the locker room now being benched, not only in third periods, but now not starting games. The team is losing. Even when the team wins, they have to claw their way back into a game because they fall behind three, nothing and have to win it in overtime after you benched some of those aforementioned players specifically to try to get back in the game. But overall you've been losing and you're kind of in a free fall. Is there a potential here that Elaine Vino loses the locker room? Like human. I said this last year, the calling out the vets in public was like a bold, brash decision. It's not something that happened a lot here, calling players out by name. And I wondered if in season two, that would start to wear thin. I think for the most part, like some of these vets have had a good season. Jake Voracek, for all his warts, is almost averaging a point per game. James Van Riemsdyk has had the best season he's had in years. Claude Giroux having an okay season. Like to me, it's not the vets. Like the, the vets aren't the reason that you're in this position. You could, could maybe argue the fact that like this team's wild inconsistency and their seeming lack of focus and ability to execute could maybe fall on those leaders in some way, I guess, if you want to go that way, but like, is it possible that Elaine Vigneault scapegoated in this season? Like, could he theoretically lose the locker room and, and would it be a bad move? You mean to fire him? Yeah. Like, I think it would be terrible, but like, do you think it would it's be a not, bad move? Yeah, I do. I think it would be a terrible move, and I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there's a chance in hell that it happens. I mean, they could lose every game the rest of the season. I think that he's still your coach next year. 
I agree. Because he signed a five-year deal. He's being paid $4.5 million a year. Um, and this is only year two. Are you going to really just, you know, pay a guy another $13 million to not coach and then go out and hire another coach for a similar contract? I mean, that's, that's a lot of money, especially in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> to be thrown, thrown around for your coach. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think, I don't think he's going to, uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, so if, if we can agree I, that the coach isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And we probably agree that the GM isn't going anywhere. No, not yet. I mean, I, I think he gets. I think that the management's going to give him a, a pass because of COVID. So if if that's the case, because no other team has had to deal with COVID this year. Um, but no, but no, if, but no other teams are really making moves either. Is what I'm saying. Like it's not like sure. it's not like the GM but, no, can just recti- can just rectify the problem in the middle so, of COVID. So if those two things are true, yeah. If you're Dave Scott, and you're looking at this team and how much they've underachieved. And you're looking at two, two hires that you wanted to make because they had clout within the league and had name recognition. Maybe weren't the best hires, but were safe hires, all things considered. And you hear how vocal your fan base is right now about status quo not working. What do you do to fix this? Because the the easy out of firing the coach or firing the GM would appear to be um, an admission that you made a bad call in either one of these hires. So what do you do? If you're the owner of this team, how do you fix it? You got to let it play out. You got to let the, you got to have confidence that these guys will make the changes and adjustments necessary to get the team ready to go for 21, 22 and, and be back in contention next year. You chalk this up to, if you're Dave Scott, you, you chalk this up to it. You're not happy. Um, and even though you normally have a quick trigger finger, you kind of, you kind of hold off because you can see, you can see you know, the havoc that this pandemic has caused just from a business perspective. So you got to assume it may, it created one from a team perspective as well. And you sit there and say, okay, you know, we're not happy. This is not, you know, not acceptable, but they get a mulligan because X, Y, Z. And, but now moving forward, you got to get it fixed. And if next year we're in this same situation, then you could talk about heads rolling in those positions. But until that point, the only people you can blame are the players themselves. And I think that's where I think that's where they're at. I think that's where we're at in this in this progression of, um, you know, when a team doesn't go as team's not going well, where does the blame fall? And sometimes you got to you got sometimes you have to throw the coach on the sword. Sometimes you have to throw the GM on the sword. And sometimes you just have to sit there and say, it's players, man. And I think after what this organization's been through in the last decade. It, we're at the it's players man portion and there's going to have to be turnover and but but at the same time chuck has to make it work you know with and with consultation with av i mean the, together they're going to have to make this make this work for 21 22 because if they're if they're a middling team next year even at the holidays then then the, the seats might start getting really warm at that point and and maybe deservedly so at that point but it's still too soon to overreact and 
fire a GM or fire a coach. I mean, in reality, as bad as this is, Russ, as bad as this is, as bad as this month has been, as terrible as this team has played, they are they're still three points out of a playoff spot. Well, no, no, but that's what I'm but what I'm trying to no, say. I no, I no, I I I get it, it. As bad as it's been from it's it, it seems worse than it is because of where what you, what we expected of this team and if, also because of where because of where they were before this fall like right. yes yeah. they're three points out but in fairness like they were firmly established as a top two team in this well division. and this also this is also evident the nhl should really this is something the nhl should really look at and i don't want to go off on a on a complete tangent here but i've said for years that it's easier to endure poor play later in the season than it is at the beginning of the season. Like yeah. if you, if you play well at the beginning of the year, you, you've built yourself enough capital to kind of keep yourself in it. Even if you have an extended stretch, that's poor. And we've seen that here, we've seen 16 piss poor games by this hockey team. And yet they're still just three points out of a playoff spot. But if this was the beginning of the season and then they were hustling to come back and trying to get, they'd have no chance of getting back into it because of the way that the system is in place with each game having a potential third point. So this is what's something that the league really has to look at and really should consider uh, a change in in how they assign points for games. Um, A regulation win needs to be worth three points. That's all there is to it. We got to learn something from soccer. Listen to me say that, Russ. You may Whoa! Never, you may never Wait hear it second. again. It's the one thing soccer gets right. <laughs> but three points, three points for a win um, is the way to go, and then you do a two and one, and you know overtime or shootout. Um, I think that's a far more equitable thing, and it makes the season more even. Um, but but because and that's what I'm trying to say to you is that. You can't just sit there. It does my heart so much good to uh, to hear you finally come around to soccer doing something right. <laughs> you can't you can't just sit there and fire a coach in his second season that he's not had one. Yeah. He hasn't even had one full season. He had a three quarters of a season in twenty twenty nineteen twenty, and he had a half a season in in twenty twenty one, and basically say, well, yeah, you're you're you know you're out. And this is a hall of fame coach that we're talking about. Right. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt he's going to be there. Um, and the same thing with the general manager. I mean, he's basically had two and a half seasons himself uh, again, interrupted by the pandemic and the flat cap and all that stuff. So like, it's just too soon with all those things. Yes. Other teams have handled it better. There's no question, but it's also not to the point where you sit there and say, Oh my God, this is awful. We have to get rid of these people. It's just too soon. It's too quick. So the changes have to come from the roster. There is a point, though, and I, I will say this. Here's my advice to Dave Scott. When you inevitably do your piece with one of the papers <laughs> and like we get in we and we get into like the whole, you know, caring and being uh, a hockey guy and everything. I think it would actually behoove you to just take a second and to, to say in whatever that article ends up being, instead of it just saying, you know, we're disappointed, blah, 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 COVID, blah, blah, blah. Most of the stuff that Anthony said that is like the thing to, to kind of lean back on. I think that it actually would be nice to hear something that's a little bit more impassioned that says this season was what it was. We're unhappy with it. But next season is set to be a normal season. And if we do not make changes this offseason and this happens again, 
there will be severe consequences. That at least implies that mediocrity does not get the job done. That's fair. Most that, of that's fair, Russ. I, 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 but you know, he's not going to probably come out and say that. He should though. I, yeah, I, he should though. But I don't think you. I don't to think the, he will. To the to the folks who are around him, who listen to the show, they should pass this on. I've actually given you really good advice because large segments of your fan base that are very vocal on Twitter and Facebook would actually be pretty happy to hear you say something to that effect. Coming out with the the normal, you know, here we are again. The Flyers are stuck in mediocrity. Boy, shucks, so oh, golly gee, wait till next year. That kind of thing doesn't fly. It won't fly again. Right. Fly or die, baby. Fly or die. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely you. right about that. So thank you. I think we should just end the episode right there. How does that sound? Well, you good. You have, Do you have, have, don't we have any five stars? I don't know. I haven't looked in a while. Ooh, Do you want me to look? We should. Have you looked? I think there's three, but I believe two of them are recurring. This is a, are, are we back to Lee C? Lee C. Lee C. Five star reviews. And uh, yeah, and he's not the. It's not the only one. I think we have another recurring one, and then we have a no, one, and we have one that rips you. One that rips me? Yeah. No. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? Wait a second. Are you serious? Yeah. Who's going after me? Yeah. Come had, on, man. We got, we got three last week. All right, here we go. Oh, we got a three star. Nope. I don't acknowledge these three. I'm not reading this. You yeah, know you gotta, why? You, gotta, you know what? The three stars are all mine. Huh? The, the no, reason- I know. Have an opinion. Three stars, like middle of the road. I don't care. <laughs> we've why read, would I do? We've, like We've wh- read three stars before. Yeah, I don't know if I want to. Here's one, though. Fan since uh, this is this is the Van Horn one. Thanks for the double LP version of Snow the Goalie. Writing this as period one versus Rangel, Rangers trickles away. Just don't see the necessary fight many of our players' best switches to uh, the teacher and underwear model. It's really nice. Oh, oh that was right. Wasn't that, a, wasn't that a thing in Press Row Show about you becoming an underwear model? No, it wasn't. It was not. And I said, oh, I said you were handsome enough. You should give yeah, yourself, well, a, yeah, well, I mentioned give yourself on, some credit. I mentioned it on the Press Row Show. Yeah. 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 No, somebody yeah. somebody tweeted out that I'll say it again. Somebody tweeted out that uh, uh, you know Dave Scott was a hockey guy, and I said if Dave Scott's a hockey guy, then I'm an underwear model. Again, I think there's probably a brand somewhere <laughs> that would be happy to have you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're not going to read the other reviews. Why would I? It's a three star review. I don't care. What are we going to do with that? <laughs> I mean, you could read it to yourself. This person. This person who will remain nameless because they don't have the guts to go five or one. Three is like whatever. Says that you bring thoughtful conversation to the pod while I sound like an angry, clueless fan who has little to uh, little to no hockey background. We're going to skip the part where this person used K-N-O-W for hockey background. No hockey background. That's sad, but we'll skip that. If Anthony could get guests like Colby Cohen, Tarion, Bill Meltzer, to co-host with him once in a while. This would be a much more enjoyable listen. Wow. Hmm. Some real insight there. Yeah. Hey, what was, the, what was the headline on that one? Anthony is good. By yeah. the way, like, I don't even know why you're getting so excited. It doesn't say Anthony's great. It doesn't say that Anthony is fantastic. It doesn't I, I guess say I'm, that I'm guessing Anthony I'm, I guess I'm is an oracle. Right? It doesn't say anything. <laughs> Just that Anthony is good. We said, in fairness, that is why you got three stars. This is your Yelp review is what this is. If you were a restaurant service was okay. The food came out at least pretty warm. 
That's what they just gave you. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how you, Hey, you want to take that? I think you should print it out and put it on, put it on the fridge. I think we should put it. That should be our, <laughs> that should be our, uh, our, uh, you know, the one we put out at the, at the beginning, every, um, uh, whatchamacallit, every uh, episode recap, you know, just put it out there. Oh, so. Anthony is good. Anthony just have that as, good. as, Anthony as the good. last bullet point. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony is, is good. Good. Yeah. I'll consider it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Maybe, maybe we can make that the title of tonight's episode. I'm not making that the title of tonight's Oh, episode. and when are we, 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 I think you need to say, Russ, this is something what? that absolutely must be said. And I'm, I'm going to make an, an executive call on this. Not to say you have to make announce winners right now, but I think you need to explain, uh, you know, because we did the, the competition last week. What exactly yeah, I have was, another one too. What took yeah. place and when that, when that drawing is going to happen. I think that's, that is yeah. uh, kind of an important thing. So um, at the end of last week's episode, and we're actually going to do another one right now. At the end of last week's episode, I gave a code word and I said that we were going to pick a winner from our Instagram, our Facebook and our Twitter page um, because we still have, I believe, six reverse retro T-shirts that the team sent us in the beginning of the year. Those winners will be announced. Do we want to say at the start of next week? Is that fair? Sure. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I could do I could do it today, but if I if I do it now, it's no, now it's April 1st. If I put it today, people are going to think that it's an April Fool's joke. Right. No, so we'll say at, yeah, we'll start it next week. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll announce, announce it Monday. Week. We'll announce it on Monday. Uh, the winners from Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now, I am going to put out another secret code right now, because if you got to the end of this episode, you deserve a reward. How does this sound? Are you ready, Anthony? We have those headbands that have the uh, the super huge gritty eyes. With like the little fuzzy John skis oh, up top. How many of them do you have? I have two of those. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're cool. I have two. Now I have put those away in hiding for long enough that when I give them away, my kids aren't going to realize they're gone. This was the thing. They kept asking about the gritty headband for a long time. They yeah. forgot about it now. It's good. So now it's safe for me to send away. Okay. Good. So we have we have two of those headbands with the giant gritty eyes. The special code word that you need to send. Anthony, what do you want it to be? Hmm. Do we want to do another another uh, X flyer, or do we want to do something different than that? Let's go with an X flyer, but I have a different way that I want people to do this. Go ahead. All right. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go with an X flyer. We had um, we had Ray Emery last week, which is why so many people were tweeting Emery. Yes. Okay. So this week, why don't we go with? And I'll make it a a little bit. Uh, we'll go in. You know, back into the archives a little bit here mm -hmm. um how about eric weinrich why <laughs> why is that your choice i was trying to come up with like a, a just a random name okay player. but here's the problem listen adam here's Burt. the problem <laughs> here's the problem we so I have a different way that I want to do this giveaway. Well, explain it then. Okay. Don't make me sound like an idiot. Instead of instead of having people tweet the name or DM the name or send it on Instagram or reply to the Facebook post with the name, I want this giveaway to be people responding with a picture of the player. So pick a player that we can definitely find copious amounts of pictures of in a Flyers uniform fine um simone gagne okay we'll take that 
So to be entered in round two, we have the shirts. The shirt giveaway will announce on Monday. The Google or the, the googly gritty eyes headband. We will also announce. I think we'll announce that on next week's show. So that'll be like mid mid to later in the week drop. In order to be entered, you need to respond when this episode comes out via Twitter on the Snow the Goalie account or if I tweet it up for my account, whatever. Uh, over on Facebook, when it posts to the Facebook account, you can reply there. And if you're on Instagram, you can reply on the Snow the Goalie account. You can also just DM it to the Snow the Goalie account, whichever way you want to go. You're going to respond with a picture of Simone Gagne. Now, if you want, you can respond with your favorite video of a Simone Gagne goal. If you want it to be a GIF, GIF, whatever you want to call it, by all means, respond. But make sure that it's something visual that has Simone Gagne. That is how you will be entered to win. How about I, 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 if I'll do this. I'll throw this out there, Russ. Since I mentioned two other names, and we don't want to confuse anybody, but if anybody can find a photo with Eric Weinrich and Adam Burt in it together, I will, I will give, the, I will give that person, or will if there's more than one, multiple people will do a drawing, but I'll give that person a pair of Jake Voracek's skates. Why do you have a pair of Jake Voracek skates? I have them. I don't know. I just have a pair of Jake skates. <laughs> you are such an idiot. Why was this not a gift? No, no, no. Well, they're not autographed. You, they're just his skates. It it's got the number 93 on it. That's all. Anthony, Jesus, <laughs> why are you the way you are? Do you know how if we had put that out as a giveaway into the ether, we could. Do you know how many follows we could have picked up right, on all and, of our social you know what? platforms? Then just cut this part of the recording out. No, I'm going to keep it in so that people can hear me chastise you. He's going to give you something different. It's not that. We're going to save them. <laughs> what am I going to give them? <laughs> I don't, before he gets traded, before he gets taken by Seattle. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. All right. Anthony doesn't mean what he said before. There is not a giveaway for that. We're going to just stick to the Simone Gagne picture. Oh. And we are going to give away those Jake Voracek skates after we do a good amount of publicity for them. Why? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is like, I just want people here. You're, you've listened long enough. You can hear this. Um, so Anthony writes a post this past week where it's a Shane Gostas Bear reaction about he's on waivers. What does it mean? And then halfway through, he speculates that the Flyers could potentially go after a veteran goalie. And then like two hours later, I think it was Pierre Lebrun put out something to that effect. And Anthony goes, well, do you think anybody's going to credit me? Because I had it first. Failing to realize that his story had the same kind of headline that literally every other outlet had. No mention of potentially going after a veteran goalie in the headline. That is what you just did, my friend. Buried the lead. All right. We're good. We're going to end there. You happy with yourself? Is there anything else that you like have a value that we could have been doing for a giveaway? No, it's funny. I just I went through uh, went through a box in the uh, in the garage and I saw them. I'm like, oh, I forgot I had these. <laughs> Why do you have Jake Voracek skates? I, I don't know. I just they were given to me once for some kind of event and then the event never happened. And I just held on to them like I just have them They're They've been in a box for a few years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember exactly when the team gave them to me or whatever, but I, I have a pair of Jake's Jake Voracek skates. They're not autographed. 
They're game worn. They are game worn. Game worn skates. They have the 93 on them. They have the 93 on them. Yes. All right. Um, they're not sharp. Uh, they're really dull by this point. Um, but nevertheless, yeah. And I'm like, what am I going to do with these? <laughs> so and just when you were thinking about it, saying, oh, we'll do another giveaway. I'm like, oh, I can throw them into the giveaway. I like it. I like it. We're going to do a giveaway with those. We've now taken about seven extra minutes on the end of this episode to just berate one another about this. So good. All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, follow the show over on Twitter at Snow the Goalie. You can find it on Twitter and Instagram at Snow the Goalie. You can find Anthony and I at Ant San Philly and at Joy on Broad. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. Of course, I go through the painstaking trouble every week. In the description of this episode, everything is hyperlinked. You can click on Anthony's Twitter uh, handle and it'll take you right to Twitter. And then all you have to do is hit follow. If you, for some reason, decide to follow me, you can do the same thing. If you want to follow the Snow the Goalie account on either platform, it's hyperlinked for you. You want to follow us on Facebook? Click it in the description. It's great. I have it set up for you because I want to make sure that all of you who listen to the show can find us in between the week's worth of activities that we spend in between episodes. Don't forget, we'll also be coming back, I think, with some press row show in the next week or so. Although honestly, Anthony, do either of us want to go down and cover this team as uh, as the wheels continue to fall off? Hey, we we have an obligation, Ross. We do. We have an obligation. It's not going to be fun. Um, but uh, Tuesday, we're back down there against Boston. The next two games actually are against Boston. Tuesday yep. and then next Saturday, the 10th. Which is an so we will we'll announce over on Twitter. Um, and on Facebook and on Instagram, when we'll be bringing back the press row show, we'll give people a schedule to plan on. But don't forget, Monday, we will announce the winner of the reverse retro shirts. What? Just to, just to say, just, it's just a weird, just a weird thing I'm just noticing. There yeah. is only one 7 p.m. home game in April. Wasn't that weird? Really? Yes. The other games start at 2, 2, 1230, 630, and 6. That's odd. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, interesting. It's, it's the first one. So next Tuesday is a seven o'clock. After that, everything else is a different time. Very interesting. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on social media. We'll be back again next week. Don't forget, you can follow us, uh, follow the show, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can find us on Amazon Music. Remember, any smart home device you have, ask it to play the most recent episode of Snow the Goalie Flyers podcast. For Anthony, I'm Russ. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back with an emergency podcast if a big trade is made. Otherwise, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening.